Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to episode four of That's Healthy. I am super glad to be here. And first, I just need to say thank you to everyone who made the launch such a success. It was a joy to see you listening to the show and tagging me when you listen on social media. That really just makes my day. And it it makes doing all of this worth it because, I mean, I am sitting by myself in my closet, on the ground, um, literally in my bathrobe right now. So it can be hard to imagine that people are out there listening to the words that I have to say and taking any type of value from this podcast. So being able to, to see a physical representation of that and hear that you guys are listening and that you like it and that you're getting something from it, or I mean, any suggestions you have, anything like that, is so, so welcome. And it really helps it to feel real. And it'll help me provide more of the information that you guys want and that you're looking for. So thank you so much for listening, for tuning in, for being here. And we're going to go ahead and get into episode four. So today it's a solo episode, right and solo. Uh, it's just me. And we're going to be talking about Well, I guess if it's just me, well, it's me and you. So we, we're going to be talking about steps to deciphering conflicting information and steps to deciphering reliable sources online. This is something that I see as a huge struggle. And if you listen to episode one, you know that I went through that struggle too. It was a big struggle to find reliable sources online. That, you know, looking back now, I would still categorize as reliable sources. So many of the places that I got the information that started my nutrition journey, I would no longer categorize as being super reliable sources that I would still direct you to. So, this is really just about reducing the struggle um, that you experience in finding a reliable nutrition source. And there are some telltale signs that a source is unreliable. Now, obviously, these aren't going to apply to every single person in every single circumstance. A lot of it is going to come down to personal responsibility of being able to think critically and judge this person's content as a whole. And judge. I know that sounds like kind of a harsh word, but it is your responsibility to judge the actions and the information that people are putting out. Um, This is not a personal judgment on, on these people, right? Because I want to choose to believe that people approach this space from a place of wanting to help people 
And a lot of times when you start out, your perspective is clouded and and or it's just not large enough to encompass the full picture of what's going on, which is how I started, right? Again, <laughs> to reference episode one, I started my nutrition journey on the paleo diet. And if you would have talked to me five years ago, I would have told you to go paleo. And I would have explained all the reasons why you should do it, why it's so much better for you, why it's so much healthier. And I no longer live (laughs) by that information because it's wrong and I've gained new information. So again, I think that a lot of people truly do approach the information that they're putting out from a place of wanting to help others, but that doesn't mean that it's accurate. And then, of course, you do have the people who are out to make a buck and they don't care how they get there. So when you're looking at someone who doesn't have integrity, a lot of times that does show up in more than just the science or nutrition information that they're putting out. And that's, again, up to you to look at the source that you're getting information from there and decide you know, what values are important to you and what is going to be a deal breaker to you as far as personal things and and where you get your information from. But one of my favorite sayings that I have seen on social media, and it's from Dr. Lane Norton, he's BioLane on Instagram, a source that I consider to be highly reliable, not only because he's super educated, but also because he makes a point of upholding his values online and upholding his integrity, which I appreciate. And that's something that I value. So he says that facts are greater than feelings, right? Data greater than sign your feelings. (laughs) And it's true. Just because we feel a certain way about something doesn't mean that it's true, right? Data trumps your feelings. So with that being said, that doesn't mean that someone who you don't like is automatically putting out bad information or someone you do like is putting out good information, right? You can still like someone and acknowledge that the information that they're putting out is wrong. Or you can not like someone and still be able to acknowledge that the information that they're putting out is scientifically accurate. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive either. So with this big entry rant, I just wanted to give a a few disclaimers of, you know, it's still going to be up to you to truly determine what sources are going to be valid. But I think there are some congruent red flags that continue to show up or present themselves in the majority of unreliable sources. And we are going to kind of go into those red flags and things to consider when you're looking at nutrition information online. And this can be blogs, social media, huge one, obviously, I mean, or things that you see in the media, books, any type of information that you're putting out. You can go through these steps of being able to decipher whether that information is legitimate or not and be able to decide whether or not that source is reliable. Okay, so steps to deciphering conflicting information. I want you to picture the word step, S-T-E-P. That's how we're going to kind of go down the line. And we're going to talk about a word representing each of those letters. So first, we're going to consider the source. That's our S. We're going to consider the tone. That's our T. We're going to consider the evidence. That's our E. 
And we're going to consider the push. That's our P. So step, the source, the tone, the evidence, and the push. And I'm going to go through what each of those things are um, and how you can assess that information based on the content that this creator is putting out. So as we're talking about an unreliable source, there's a bit of a formula that can be clearly recognized across the board. And most of the time, it looks similar to this. This source will present a scary problem. And when we're talking about nutrition sources, most of the time, the scary problem is some sort of disease state or um, a higher risk for some sort of disease. So cancer, diabetes, heart disease, all of those things. So they present this scary problem. And then this source typically has an unconventional way of solving that problem or even, quote unquote, a secret way of being able to solve that problem, which ends up bringing us to kind of the last phase of this formula, which their secret solution to the problem most likely ties into some sort of product or service that they provide or that they are pushing, that they make money off of. This is typically the formula. Um, this is typically what the what an unreliable source what their content will look like on a regular basis. We're talking about the scary problem. We're talking about it a lot. We're talking about it constantly. We're talking about it in different settings. We're talking about it in grocery stores, in foods that you commonly eat. And then we're talking about all these things that you need to do to solve it or a simple secret solution that they have. And all you need to do to solve this problem is buy whatever it is that they're selling. So Let's kind of talk about, as you see this stuff popping up in media, how we can go through these considerations, these step considerations um, that can lead you to either saying, okay, this source is reliable or this source is not reliable. All right. So first we have our S. We're going to consider the source. Who is this person? Who am I listening to who's talking? Okay, one thing to look at is credentials. Now, again, having credentials doesn't necessarily make you reliable. Um, Just like not having credentials doesn't make you unreliable. But it is a good baseline starting point to know, okay, does this person have any formal education on the subject matter that they're referring to? So if we're talking about nutrition, is this person a dietitian? Does this person have a PhD in nutritional science or even, you know, just a degree in nutritional science? If they aren't formally educated, what are their certifications? Do they have some type of holistic nutrition certification or what does their nutrition certification look like? Just getting a general feel for who this person is, what type of education they have, and also factoring in the bias that is going to inherently come from their experience, right? Okay, another thing that we kind of touched on in the very beginning of this episode is being able to reconcile the fact that someone being a good person doesn't mean that they're putting out good information, right? Just because someone is good and you like them or you have followed them on social media forever and you love their aesthetic or you love seeing how they decorate their house 
you've loved watching them start a family and how they raise their kids, you like this content creator. That doesn't mean that the information that they're sharing is accurate. And that is okay, right? We don't have to go to the same source for every piece of information that we're looking for. I wouldn't go to an interior designer and then expect them to be able to tell me what supplements I should take. That doesn't make sense. Just like you wouldn't come to me for personal style, right? Where I could tell you, okay, this color looks great on you and this works for your body proportions. Or you wouldn't come to me for tailoring your clothes or, you know, something that is completely unrelated to my field, right? That would not make sense for me to have good information for me to tell you on that topic. So liking someone, someone being a good person doesn't mean that they are presenting accurate information on a topic that they are not educated in. And that's okay, right? That's unrealistic to expect that person to know everything about nutrition. All right. Another thing to look at when you're considering your source, having personal experience does not equal having professional training or education in that area. So again, this is something that we see a lot in the nutrition and fitness space where we're seeing people who've had amazing physical transformations, all of a sudden they're a nutrition coach or they're a personal trainer, right? So having your own personal experience does not qualify you to coach others or to automatically think that what you did is the best way for everyone to get the results that you got. Again, to uh, link it back to my personal journey, you know, I lost some weight on the paleo diet. And that is because so much of the processed foods that I were eating that were very calorically dense were displaced by fruits, vegetables, lean protein, things that were higher volume but lower calorie. So I was inherently reducing my caloric intake by eating the paleo diet. However, that's not what I would have told you. I would have said, oh, you have to cut out dairy, grains, processed foods, sugar in order to lose weight. That's what I did. And that is not true for the reason that I actually was losing weight, right? I created a caloric deficit that I was able to sustain for a long period of time. That is why I was losing weight. It wasn't because I wasn't eating bread anymore. So someone having their own personal experience doesn't mean that they're going to be able to give accurate information to help you in your experience or to help you achieve the results that you're looking for. And I truly am not saying this to step on anybody's toes, but this is just something to be aware of when you're looking at sources, especially for nutrition information, is any type of affiliation with an MLM or some type of parent company where they earn commission based on sales. This is a huge motivator in selling a specific product. So when I am looking for a reliable source for nutrition information, seeing that someone is affiliated with an MLM or some type of program that they can earn like commission-based sales off of, 
is a red flag for me. And again, that maybe the program that they're a part of is super science-backed, evidence-based, and you have vetted whatever thing they're a part of as being legitimate. In which case, you know, it wouldn't be a red flag to be affiliated with that institution. But as a general rule, just being aware of someone's affiliations with companies like that is good practice so that you can be really considering their motivation for pushing whatever it is that they're pushing. Another thing when you're looking at your source, you want to see if this person is identifying with a certain ideology. So what I mean by that is saying that they are something. For me, and and we'll get to this, we're going to roast my post at the end of this episode, but it's saying that you are paleo, you are vegan, you are carnivore, you are whatever it is. A lot of times when you identify as being something and it is such a part of who you are, it's very, very hard to judge information from an unbiased standpoint or from the most unbiased standpoint that you could be coming from. Everybody has personal biases, right? Sometimes those show up much more intensely. And when someone identifies as being something, that is a red flag to me that they may not be willing to consider information from both sides of the aisle which is a concern when we're looking to get the most accurate information. So, okay, next we're going into considering the tone of the content that this person is putting out. This is our T in our step. So obviously people are going to have different communication styles. And that's your preference to find someone who has a communication style that you are able to comprehend and also enjoy and get the information that you need, right? So. There's a big difference between being a very direct and kind of no bullshit communicator and spouting like fear mongering and misinformation, right? There's a clear line (laughs) between those two things. And again, if you are not into people who use more direct communication or people who curse or, you know, things like that, that is totally your prerogative to find a source that uses a tone that you are more compatible with. But there is a big, big difference in just not liking someone's tone versus the tone trying to evoke fear and unrest. So major thing when we're looking at the tone of someone's content is we're looking for that fear-mongering element. That is a huge, huge, huge red flag that this information is sensationalized and that it's not going to be the most reliable source that you could be getting your information from. So here are some words and phrases that I see a lot coming up in the nutrition space that I think are clear red flags that should make you pause and, and look at where you're getting your information. So if someone is using the word poison in reference to normal food, That is not like rat poison, right? If someone is using the word toxic to refer to normal foods, um, if someone is using the word inflammatory with no context about what type of inflammation they're talking about, 
if someone is giving a plea or encouraging you to protect your family's health or to protect your children's health, that gets under my skin a lot because, especially as a pregnant woman, um, a, a lady who's going to have her own family soon, um, I know how much people care about their loved ones and how much people care about their kids. And capitalizing on that fear to get people to do something or buy something from you is not something that I'm okay with. So that is a big, big, big one for me to look out for. Also, if the tone is very like conspiracy theory e, <laughs> so always talking about things like big pharma and big food and claiming that, you know, certain governmental institutions like the FDA or dietetics or anything is against you, blaming the food pyramid for all of our you know, disease states that we're seeing in current times. These are red flags to me that this person is, again, using fear-mongering and kind of crowd-think to paint the picture as, you know, or using it to scare you that there's some big thing that's out to get you. And, I mean, for the record, I just want to say I'm also very middle of the road, right? I'm never going to say that... <laughs> Um, you should rely on the government for all of your needs and that, you know, and not to get political, but just to say, I'm not a huge fan of like big government, but demonizing the government and saying that the food pyramid, you know, that everyone's out to get you and just using it as a fear mongering tactic is a red flag for me. And it should be for you too, because they're not using legitimate information to back their claim. They're trying to scare you into thinking the same way that they do. Okay, so that was the tone. Next, we're going to consider the evidence. This is our E. Okay, and this is one of the trickier parts to decipher because you're coming to sources for education, right? You're coming to these sources to provide the evidence for you. So it's hard when you don't have the basis of education or knowledge to have your own evidence to bring to the table, right? So what we're going to do is look at the quality of the evidence that this source is providing. So first we need to say, or we need to look at, are they providing any evidence at all? What are their sources that they are citing? Are they citing scientific studies? Are they citing personal experience? What evidence are they using here? And, you know, there's a hierarchy of judging the accuracy or the reliability of the evidence that they are presenting. Just like we talked about when we're considering the source, right? Having a personal experience doesn't count as evidence that can be applied to the masses, right? It counts for you as the individual who experienced that thing, right? It's going to influence the results that you're able to achieve, or it's going to influence the process of achieving those results, but it doesn't mean that what is true for you is true for everyone, right? That's a personal experience. <laughs> personal means that it pertains to you specifically, right? Not a general fact. So if the evidence that we're presenting here is largely based on personal experiences, that is not super reliable. Okay, 
Next, another thing to look at when we're evaluating the evidence that's being presented. Something sounding logical doesn't mean that it's factual, right? So I I just want you to think about this and grapple with this for a second. If someone said the earth is flat, right? I want you to go back a thousand years and act like you don't have any of the information that you currently have about the earth, the universe, space, all this stuff. Someone says the earth is flat and you look around and you say, yeah, I totally agree with that. The earth is flat. I can see it with my own eyes. There is no curvature. We're walking on flat ground. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The earth is flat. This is super logical and makes sense with all of the information that I have currently. We now know this isn't true, right? So even though that assessment was based on logic at the time, it even sounds logical. It makes sense. We know that that's just not how it works, right? The world is round. There are reasons that we can't see the curvature of the earth. There's gravity to hold us in place. All of these different things that we know dispute the assertion that the earth is flat, right? So now if someone came up to you and said the earth is flat, you would say, are you on crack? We have so much evidence that the earth is not flat. It doesn't matter what you're seeing with your own eyes right now. That's just a small, small, small perspective in the grand scheme of things. And we have all this evidence to back up the fact that the earth is a sphere, right? The earth is not flat. Okay, something sounding logical or something that aligns with your personal experience does not mean that it is actually science-based or factual information that can apply to the general population, right? Okay, so this is something that I struggled with a lot, again, when I was starting out and I was on the paleo diet, right? It was super logical to me that It is the bread and the sugar and the dairy that are causing all these problems for me. Because when I cut those out, I felt better and I started losing weight. So logically, that makes sense, right? However, that's not actually the way that works. (laughs) It wasn't about cutting out those foods. I could have seen extremely similar results had I reduced intake of just processed foods in general, right? So I didn't have to worry about cutting those things out completely, but I was reducing the number of times per week that I was going out to dinner and eating super calorically dense foods, which are the things that you tend to overeat, which are the things that blow your calorie range way up and that cause you to gain weight. So Something sounding logical doesn't mean that it's based in fact. And that is something that I think is just really, really important to keep in your back pocket and know that something can sound smart. Something can sound true. It's like, yeah, that does make sense that blood sugar would work that way or, you know, whatever it is that someone's trying to explain. But for something to be factual and considered hard data and needs to be represented across multiple studies, multiple platforms, multiple reliable sources. Just because it sounds true doesn't mean that it's true. 
Also, when we're looking at evidence, there are so many studies done now. It is so easy to find a study, a micro study that can back up almost any claim that you're wanting to make. So when we're looking at sources and when we're looking at evidence, it's really important to look at the quantity of studies that we have access to that cite this same information. And a lot of times these super small scale boutique (laughs) studies are done on animals and we're like extrapolating information that was found to be true in rats or some other small scale operation, something done in vitro in a dish, you know, that isn't in real, a genuine environment. So again, it's important to look at that evidence and be able to take it for what it is. And if someone is not kind of giving a disclaimer that like, hey, this is new research and this could have really interesting implications in people. However, this is a super small study done in rats. So the this information isn't going to be directly applicable. However, nutrition science is always evolving and this is presenting with some new information that could continue to evolve and have interesting implications for humans. If there's not some sort of disclaimer or more detailed discussion around what these studies mean, and we're directly taking evidence of something that was found in rats and saying that is how it works in humans, that's inaccurate. That's not how it works. (laughs) And again, the problem is a lot of times the people who do use studies and manipulate them in that way aren't going to be giving those types of disclaimers around the information. So it's hard to decipher. And I know, I know that it is. So it really goes back to just looking for an overall pattern of disclaimers, of using nuanced conversation, of being able to present both sides of what's going on before claiming something as fact. Last thing when we're talking about considering the evidence is that a lot of times when people don't have solid evidence, we're going to be using feelings to try to convince you of something. So unreliable sources are notorious for preying on your feelings to get you to buy into something. And this is what we were talking about in the beginning, right? Talking about fear-mongering, talking about guilt, talking about scare tactics, all the things to get you to buy in to what they're selling. And this leads into our last consideration for determining a reliable source. This is our P. This is push. You have to consider the push that anybody is bringing you when they're they're putting out content. So. The push is, what is this person trying to convince you to do or to think or to believe based on the information that they're sharing? So are they trying to get you to buy a product or a service? Are they trying to get you to believe or buy into a certain ideology, right? Like I was talking about in the beginning, like paleo or going vegan or going carnivore. Are they trying to convince you to buy into them 
as a source? Are they trying to convince you that they are a guru or they are someone who has special information or magical advice that can heal you? And y'all, I know it sounds ridiculous, but people use these tactics. And I'm not in the business of roasting other people. That's why I'm going to save it for myself (laughs) at the end of this episode. But y'all, I mean, there are seriously people out there who say they get medical advice from spirits who tell them how to heal diseases and people eat that shit up. And again, it's one of those things that makes me so angry because it's clearly preying on people's desperation. You know, if you're diagnosed with cancer and that's really hard to grapple with, that's really hard to come to terms with. Um, yeah, I I could imagine that you are going to be looking for something that you could believe in that that could help you. And exploiting people's emotions in this way is just completely abhorrent. So <laughs> considering the push. Um, You always have to look at what people are selling, what they are trying to get you to believe, what they're trying to get you to buy into. Even reliable sources have a push, right? Most of my content, the push is having you assess yourself, having you form nutritional autonomy, having you feel confident in making choices for yourself. That's my push. So I'm biased in that way. Every source is going to have a bias. Every source is going to have a push. So it's up to you to decide, okay, what are they pushing? And is what they're pushing evidence-based? All right. That was our four-step process (laughs) in deciphering a reliable source or deciphering reliable information, right? We're going to look at the source, we're going to look at the tone, we're going to look at the evidence, and we're going to look at the push and see how those things align, how they misalign, how they how they make you feel, right? Because we know if something is making you feel scared and not uncomfortable in the sense like it's challenging your beliefs, <laughs> but something is like actually trying to capitalize on fear and fear mongering, that's a, a red flag. So next time you are looking for information out there that is reliable, go through those steps in your mind, the S, the T, the E, the P. Ask yourself, what is it that these people are trying to get me to buy into? And is that something that I can say is evidence-based that I can get on board with? All right, now we're going to go into... uh, roasting my posts. (laughs) Not my current posts. I mean, I'm sure someone out there is roasting my current posts, but I'm going to roast my older posts. And I really make a point of trying to not hide my evolution or um, hide the way that I've changed as far as representing nutrition information and gaining new information. But there are a few things that or a few posts that I have archived from my page because I truly feel like it would be damaging for someone to read now. So anything that kind of falls into that category for me, I do remove from my page because I would hate for someone to go there and, you know, scroll back to four years ago and see this piece of information that could mess something up. So um, we are going to be roasting 
one of those posts. Okay, you guys, to be completely honest, this is like absolutely cringy embarrassing. Embarrassment is probably the emotion that I handle the absolute worst (laughs) out of any emotion. It is so extremely uncomfortable, but I am not going to sit here and roast other people. That's just not my vibe. Plenty of people are doing that. So we're going to roast this post of mine. This is archived on my page, so it is not visible on my Hopewell Health page anymore. But this was an actual post that I posted in February of 2019. Yes, that's when it... Oh my gosh, it was like almost exactly the same date. Very odd. Okay, so this is a white image. It has flowers in my hand holding a coffee cup. And this is what the caption says, because this is back when Instagram was, you know, like a still image with a super long caption. Here's what I had to say in all caps. Did you know that many recent studies are linking overconsumption of sugar to heart disease, not saturated fat? Did you know that sugars have different chemical structures and are therefore broken down by the body differently? For example, a potato and a piece of chocolate cake are both broken down into simple sugars, but have very different effects on the body. Did you know that sugar substance? Oh, God. Y'all, this is legitimately hard to get through, so just bear with me. I'm going to read the whole thing, (laughs) and then we're going to go back and roast it. Okay, okay. Did you know... That sugar substitutes such as saccharin, aka sweet and low, and sucralose, aka Splenda, are 300 times and 600 times as sweet as table sugar? No wonder our taste buds are jacked the F up. <sighs> Sometimes I hate myself. Did you know that I hate the phrase everything in moderation? Well, you do now. What is moderation? Does moderation mean once a day? That sounds pretty common to me. Does moderation mean three times a week? People are proud of themselves if they work out three times a week. Think about the last time you only ate sugar three times in one week. Has that even ever happened? Sugar in moderation does not exist for most of the population, including me. Here's what I'm going to do. Cut all added sugar from my diet for seven days starting this Sunday. Since all carbohydrates, no matter if they're from kale or Little Debbie snacks, are broken down into sugar in the body, I'm not trying to cut all carbs. Just added sugars, such as maple syrup, honey, processed carbs, and any product with sugar on the label. My purpose is threefold. To become more aware of added sugars in my diet, reset my taste buds to recognize natural sweetness, and kick the sugar cravings. Drop a hands up emoji in the comments if you want to join me. I'll be letting you guys know how it's going via my story. Woo! Oh my gosh! (laughs) Make it stop! Someone make it stop! Y'all! Okay, let's assess it. Let's roast it. There's so, 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 so many things wrong with this that go back to the steps of deciphering this information, right? Okay, let's go through the process. S, we're going to consider the source. Okay, this is 2019 Hopewell Health. I am a nutrition science student at the time. So that is my qualification. (laughs) Not super, super strong. (laughs) I also have paleo 
in my Instagram bio, right? Okay, so we're looking at all of these things. Not super strong education. I have a personal experience of weight loss and a body transformation, right? But having a personal experience does not equate to having the professionalism and the training to present nutrition information to the masses. All right. So as we're looking at me as a source in 2019, not super great, right? (laughs) Not checking a lot of boxes at all. If I was assessing this now, I would think to myself, source, meh, you know, not super strong. All right. What's next? T. We're considering the tone. The tone is fear-mongery, right? We're talking about artificial sweeteners being 300 times and 600 times as sweet as table sugar. No wonder our taste buds are jacked the F up. We're talking about many recent studies are linking overconsumption of sugar to heart disease instead of saturated fat, which is like, we'll, we'll come back to this one when we're looking at the evidence, right? Okay. So, but overall, the tone is kind of fear-mongery and it's just kind of like pretentious. <laughs> So on a personal level, I'm I'm going to give it a no, um, but also on a uh, judging a uh, judging reliable information, we're also going to give it a no, right? This is fear mongery. This is a huge, huge, huge red flag. Okay. Next, we're going to look at the evidence, considering the evidence. Okay. So I do talk about numbers, right? I give no source whatsoever. Um, so basically, you just have to take my word that many recent studies are linking sugar to heart disease instead of saturated fat. No other, nothing to back that up. I just said it and there's no consequences for that. So yeah, you you just have to believe me. Also, this is not a full picture of the evidence, right? So this is very, very one-sided. Did you know many recent studies are linking overconsumption of sugar to heart disease, not saturated fat? Okay, we're literally looking at one side of an argument that someone may choose to present. It is not multifaceted. We are not showing what studies. We're not talking about how many studies. We're not talking about it in a contextual way at all. Same thing with sucralose and, and Splenda, talking about that being 300 and 600 times sweeter than table sugar and saying that that fucks up our taste buds. No evidence for that, right? Except me just saying it as my personal experience. All right. So evidence, not strong, not strong at all. Actually, very weak evidence. And lastly, we have our push, 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 push. What am I trying to get you to do? Uh, I'm trying to get you to cut all added sugar from your diet for seven days. Hard, (laughs) hard pass. Hard, 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 hard pass. Anyone encouraging you to cut all whatever is going to be a huge red flag. So this is the push and I'm not buying it. So we have gone through looking at the source, looking at the tone, looking at the evidence and looking at the push. None of these things passed the standard of being able to look at Hopewell Health of 2019 as reliable content. So we're we're out. That would be a hard pass from me now. So <laughs> we learn, we grow. 
this is one of those things where, again, this is super cringy to look back on. But everybody starts somewhere, and this influences my bias, right, of wanting to believe that people who present information in this way are trying to help people. They just don't have the perspective or the education to be doing it in a responsible way yet. And that is more of a complicated issue, right? Because you got to start if you want to be able to make progress, but sometimes the starting point is really ugly. And that was, this was pretty close to my starting point. And it's not cute, all right? (laughs) But we have grown. We have gained so much education. I've gained so much experience, not just personal experience, right, but professional experience with helping other people, gaining empathy from other people's experiences, being able to look at the impact of things, not just in a personal way, but on a greater population, right? So gaining experience doesn't mean doing it yourself. It can mean that, but it can also mean looking at the experience of others and how information and what the data shows in that way as well. All right, so I'm going to wrap this episode up, but I want you to think of the four steps of deciphering information the next time you're online, the next time you're looking for nutrition content, and I hope that this can be an aid to help you wade through the abundance of nutrition information that's out there and be able to judge for yourself what is evidence-based and uh, what is a farce. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping make the launch of this podcast such a success. And if you have anything that you want me to chat about, you have a topic you want me to cover, message me on Instagram. Let me know. And I would love, 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 love to hear from you. So until next time. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.